Mothering Land and Liberation. Three stories for my mothers. A woman gets off a train in northern Czechoslovakia. She is young, maybe 16 years old. She is with her younger sister and her mother. Her father and brother are not there. The Nazi guard towering before her points for her mother to walk away to a different line, to a different camp to a different fate. This woman, girl, 16-year-old, stands before the Nazi guard and tells him, no. I don't know what was said or in what language. Nana spoke many. But my grandmother stood before a Nazi guard and refused to let her mother be taken from her. I don't know if she knows that her mother was being sent to a death camp. But I know that in that moment, Nana won. She and her mother and her sister stayed together. They survived. The freedom of water, liberation and self-love. The air is humid and alive with the smells of moist earth. I'm lying on my back, floating in the water of my grandma's screened-in pool. My eyes are closed as I enjoy the feel of warm rain falling on my face. Greeting the afternoon rain showers in such a way has been a daily practice since I got here. While I swim, my grandma naps. The house joins me in silence as we listen to the rain. It is on this trip that I learned that despite living in a house with a screened-in pool for over a decade, my grandmother has only been in it twice. I asked why, and her response was, well, I've never had the figure for a swimsuit. She tells a story about childhood trips to the lake where she was made fun of and thus finds safety by staying clothed. She tells a story of being in college, wanting to face her anxiety by taking a swim class, but instead gets pushed into the deep end by the male teacher and is declared weak when she becomes overwhelmed with embarrassment and almost drowns. She explains that childbirth does no favors to a woman's body, and thus she went into the water only for her children's safety. Each wave of storytelling, my heart breaks, and pieces inside me vibrate with recognition. Hello? Hi, Mom. Hi, sweetie. And with this, I burst into tears. It's an effect my mom has always had on me. When something is wrong, she knows, and hearing her voice gives me permission to fall apart. I am safe there with her. My mom's favorite flower is the iris, periwinkle blue with bold yellow stripe. Social butterfly, queen of the party, you wouldn't know my mom speaks the language of plants, or that she was a park ranger in Yosemite, or that she was a landscape architect before she had me, and then my sister, and then my brother. When she started painting plants, she never stopped. When I go on hikes with my friends, it's because of my mom that I know what's around us. Who's around us? Those are forget-me-nots. Oh my gosh, do you smell that? It's Daphne. That's bay laurel. That's coast live oak. That's California sagebrush. With my mom's voice and with the plants, I am safe. 
I know these stories. I've lived these stories. So many of us have. Here is a powerful and capable woman who has lived a lifetime of paralyzing restriction. A woman who, living by herself at this point, still feels so remarkably restricted by the shame of her body that she pays for a pool she doesn't feel she deserves to use. Because swimsuits are for people with thin young bodies. Experiences of freedom and play are for people who deserve it. We sit in silence after she finishes her story and my ears are roaring with what remains unsaid. I see the glistening, splintering threads of her shame and how they reach over the table and weave into my own. How dare I feed the poisonous thoughts that have imprisoned generations of women in my family? How dare I contribute to the practices and cultures that normalize the devaluing of female bodies, birthing bodies, big-boned, wide-hipped, voluptuously shaped bodies? Strength is starting to pool around my spine. I am in my parents' garden with my arms outstretched above my head. Lying in the grass beneath the jacaranda tree. I know this tree well. I made earrings out of its seed pods once. One pair for me, one for mom. This time it's hot and it's summer and there is a bee. The green grass is painted in a field of lilac-colored blossoms. House finches chirp brightly. Hummingbirds zoom and perch, zoom and perch. I can hear the tiny beats of their wings. I've become increasingly aware of a certain kind of inheritance, or disinheritance perhaps, wounds of not enough and too much and boundaries violently crossed over generations, boundaries of land, of home, of body. But I'm a daughter of survivors and I know the earth speaks, mothers us. I watch the bee. Humming, it discovers the soft opening of a fallen jacaranda flower and crawls inside. Then, the bee hums its way over to me, landing gently on my bare belly. I just watch, unafraid, delighted, in fact, exalted. The bee enters my belly button as it did the jacaranda flower. To be invited into the eros of the sun and the chirping and the humming and the bee and the green grass and the lilac-colored blossoms. This is a joy to be passed down through generations. For you, Grandma, I will learn to love my body fiercely. During the moments when it's impossible, you better believe I will fake it until I make it. For you, I promise to not pass up on any moment of liberation. I promise to seek play and celebration in whatever form my body takes. I will honor and uplift, cherish and nourish, respect and admire the powerful life-bearing gift that is the female form. I will dance, I will say no, I will reveal skin, I will ask for help. I will trust myself, I will seek pleasure. For you, Grandma, I promise to always seek the freedom of water.
So I'm Catherine Duval Petru. I am Ari Guajardo Johnson. And in the interest of time, we're going to have a brief conversation about what you just heard. Um, in full disclosure, we are friends and have known each other for some time. And I produce Ari's podcast, Birth Bruja. And of course, produce We Rise. And we're super stoked to be sharing this little featurette on KPFA's Full Circle. Shout out to Kendall Krakow for um, executive producing this show. This was for our moms and their moms and our mother lines. Do you want to name any names besides our own right now? We don't have to name them on air, too. We can leave it personal, intimate, private. Yeah, which is interesting. to act, I didn't anticipate hesitating to that question, but I think despite the love and honor that I transmitted through my words, I know that my grandma, who is still living, would not like this story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's leave it there. Um, I just know my so I can my grandmother the the one who I spoke about passed. And actually, we just passed the anniversary of her birthday. So happy mm. birthday to Nana. And I just want to say, I could have told a story about my other grandmother, my Gabba, who is living. And I even have something that maybe can be shared some other time. She's just such a special woman. And she needs to know that I am who I am because of her just as much as because of Nana. And this caretaking for and and buy flowers jasmine and rose and lavender and yarrow just so many visceral memories of all of these plants in both of my grandmother's gardens Mm, that's beautiful yeah it definitely in creating this piece and also speaking with you kat there's a very tangible feeling of responsibility and a simultaneous holdings of the stories that we actually did share and the stories that aren't being said you know they're just as present in this space definitely yeah i think also again like because we don't have a ton of time to delve into the many nooks and crannies that we both like to explore all the time um i want to say too that to presence i guess some of the influences on our own liberation the way we see the world comes from these amazing writers who are women. Can we share like just a quote or two from these folks? Please. Okay. Should we share Vandana Shiva first? Yes. Okay. In the 2014 preface to Dr. Vandana Shiva's book, Ecofeminism, which was co-authored by Maria Meese, Dr. Shiva writes, a model of capitalist patriarchy, which excludes women's work and wealth creation in the mind deepens the violence by displacing women from their livelihoods and alienating them from the natural resources on which their lives depend, their land, their forests, their water, their seeds, and biodiversity. Economic reforms based on the idea of limitless growth and a limited world can only be maintained if the powerful grab the resources of the vulnerable. The resource grab that is essential for growth creates a culture of rape, rape of the earth, of local self-reliant economies of women. The only way in which this growth is inclusive is by its inclusion of ever larger numbers in its ever-growing circle of violence. 
And I'll just share one other quote from Dr. Shiva, and then we can bring in a few other voices. So then in her recent, actually, this article was published on Nana's birthday this year, May 3rd, 2019, in Yes Magazine, and you can find it online. Dr. Shiva says, The war against the earth began with this idea of separateness. Its contemporary seeds were sown when the living earth was transformed into dead matter to facilitate the industrial revolution. Monocultures replaced diversity, quote, raw materials and, quote, dead matter replaced a vibrant earth. Terra nullius, the empty land ready for occupation regardless of the presence of indigenous peoples, replaced terra madre, mother earth. This philosophy goes back to Francis Bacon, called the father of modern science, who said that science and the inventions that result do not, quote, merely exert a gentle guidance over nature's course. They have the power to conquer and subdue her, to shake her to her foundations, end quote. There's so many threads that are woven into those two quotes. This wasn't explicitly said, however, this theme keeps on violently shouting to me, which is just basically the correlation between exploitation and commodification of the land and how it correlated with the exploitation and commodification of the female body. My grandma was born and raised during the Great Depression on a dairy farm, And it was made explicitly clear that value was only given to things that could produce. And that includes people, places, things, which is really intense considering that she was a young child and her greatest fear was of being useless. And so the topics of love and affection were obviously not valued because they don't produce anything. And so she grew up into a hyper-productive, again, highly capable, powerful person, but um, productivity being the primary love language. And similarly, with that value system, with a degree of hyper-productivity, there was also the culture of restriction, of staying in your lane. Um, She excelled at, quote-unquote, the womanly arts. Mm. And with all that power and creativity and capacity for for production in, in creating things, she still remains believing such intense limited thoughts around what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and so that right there is a big reason why she'd be very disappointed in hearing me share the story and using words such as pleasure and such as sensuality because those are shameful those are dirty those aren't valued there's no production in that that's lazy to seek play yeah yeah so Kat when you talk about the lineage of loving the earth with your family and the talk of flowers and beauty. And I'm not, I'm of course, I'm sure it's not all romanticization and everything. Um, but just thinking about how my grandma only, she only planted specific things that could produce food yeah, or could keep insects away. And actually now that we're talking this out, I'm realizing that it's only within the last few years that I've seen her reach toward things for the sake of beauty. I really appreciate you naming all of that. And it strikes me the parallels of 
the themes we shared in these stories. When I did a project, a research project, once exploring my maternal mother line, I discovered that a great or great great grandmother who actually has my namesake used to bathe under a sheet Mm -hmm. so that she couldn't look at her own body. Interestingly, that same mother line, my GABA, my mom's mom, where the more obvious like cherishing of beauty and that like lusciousness is more obvious to me. And also, like, I wouldn't have shared that last story if you hadn't have reminded me of it because I feel weird weaving these themes of sex and sexuality and pleasure. And on the other side of my family, the Holocaust survivor side, it's interesting because on the one hand, Nana was an amazing gardener, roses, and she loved kumquats and citrus trees, and she was in LA. So again, the land and what could actually be grown there was really vital. And also her mom, my granny, who lived in in what's now the Czech Republic, I have some writings of hers. And she's so, so detailed in describing the land that they were on in that country. And so I know there's just like this reverence of earth that runs through my blood on both lines. And yet, I think in particular, the trauma of the Holocaust, like going to Nana's house was super different than going to Gabba's house. The austerity that I perceived with my body was so palpable in Nana's house. And I didn't feel like I could fully exhale or let my belly out even. Um, and no food was wasted. Um, it's a both and for sure. Mm-hmm. Both and for sure. I mean, again, it's so hard to talk about such diverse dynamics within, you know, just their personalities are grandmothers, but also within their, our relationships with them. Because you're also reminding me of, even though, yes, very much she had a more linear approach to giving value to things, you're also reminding me that she has an incredible encyclopedia mind where she will like be driving down the road and she'll start listing off birds and naming plant species. And, you know, she has this sense of knowing, of seeing the world. But it also reminds me of, um, I've been currently reading the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer. And she talks about, some of the limits to Western approaches to engaging with the natural world is that once we know names, we feel a sense of ownership or like, like, okay, we know it and let's move on because we can name it. And therefore, because we can have a name for it, we know it in its entirety. So again, there's that sense of like, of linear engagement of taking something so profoundly diverse in meaning and then turning it into something that we could comfortably fit in our pocket, you know, and get the value of it because it fits tidily in categories. Hmm. I wonder how incredible it would be if somehow I could wave a magic wand and my grandma would be able to engage in such a conversation as we're having not necessarily that she would agree with everything, but that that somehow she could relate to this. Like, what would she say? Like, what sort of sensually, you know, sensually mind-blowing experiences would she be able to share? Like, maybe she has her own yeah. be in the belly button story, you know, of a sensual experience somewhere, someplace, but she would never normally have the audacity to say out loud. She probably does. My living grandmother... I got to go visit her one weekend last year with my friend Grace, and Grace loves 
reading badass feminist writers. And so she was reading Ursula K. Le Guin at the time. And we like did a little read aloud session and it brought up, I don't actually, I might be like melding memories, but I know that since in recent years, I've talked more explicitly with her, with my grandma about sex and she has fucking, she's, I guess I can swear because it's a podcast. She has stories. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's just so nuanced. There are just layers and there's the context, the social, sociopolitical and economic, et cetera, context of our grandmother's lives and where they were. Um, we're out of time. I know we could have brought in so many other voices and this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I want to at least just say, and folks who've listened to us a little bit have probably heard us name Sylvia Federici and her book Caliban and the Witch and the history of the witch burnings and the rise, the simultaneous rise of capitalism and colonialism. And there's just so much that really bears naming again and again and reading out loud and sharing because these histories are so suppressed and that's what perpetuates the violence of those stories right yep and so for so many of us on days of celebration such as mother's day these structures these legacies of violence in our in our societies and also within our families that's the shadow that we tangibly feel Mm. so by acknowledging this i just also want to encourage folks to recognize that it's acknowledging the structures that weave our capacity for joy as well as our, the same structures that feed our engagement of shame. So I hope y'all can feel the wave of liberation that comes from saying these things out loud and honoring the shadow as well, the light. And, oh God, it's so, there's so many things. Um, I want to say, I know for both of us, both Ari and me, our intention is for healing um, for our lineages, of course, because that's what we can speak to most intimately, but for collective healing. And I also know that maybe we'll have another conversation about all of this sometime because in preparing for this, we talked about the fact that mothering, while it is very gendered and it, that is important to talk about women and cis women specifically, there is a time and a place for speaking to that. It's also bigger or it's just more expansive than that and it's not just mothering of a human baby but there's so many different forms and ways of mothering and I just wanted to speak that too can we dedicate this to our moms yes and our grandmas and the women in our lineage that we maybe don't even know their names yeah or the women in our lineages that aren't there by blood, but are there by spirit. Yeah, and our movement mothers. Yes. I love you, mom. I haven't brought up my mom yet in this space because it's so limited, but I just want to acknowledge my incredibly inspiring, beautiful, intelligent, kind mother, Yolanda Guajardo Mendoza. Mom, I would not be here and I could not do this work without you. So I love and honor you. <laughs>